All great stories have a beginning. If this is your first time joining us, we encourage you to start at episode one. To our returning listeners, welcome back to Sildoom. What you're about to hear, every action and combat is completely improvised. I am your host, Daniel Storm, and you're listening to the RPG Radio Show. I'm Zach McCann, and I play Gavin Rettler. I'm Andy Kanis, and I play Jacob Elias. I'm Luke Hatmaker, and I play Maze Tunnock. I'm Ben Sonic, and I play Dimitri Whisperoak. Previously on the RPG Radio Show, Gavin and Dimitri battled a thorned assailant, sure to be the work of the wicked Sovacene. As they recovered from the fight, Jacob and Maze returned to their campsite, out of breath and with terrible news. The Grey Dawn are close on Jacob and Gavin's trail, in an effort to retrieve the dagger that Gavin lifted from them. Our wayward adventurers resolved to make their way to Bon Kuldir, the dwarven stronghold, located in a hollowed, dormant volcano among the peaks of Basaldur's backbone. Along the beacon's highway, they spotted an overturned cart, the horses slain and mangled with the body of a dwarf wedged underneath them. As our adventurers inspected the carnage, they heard a voice in the carriage, the deceased dwarf's widow and his daughter holed up inside. The widow revealed that a terrible, nightmarish beast had attacked the previous night. Realizing that the monster they had banished the previous night had somehow returned, our adventurers felt bound to care for the two dwarves. Jacob performed healing magic as Dimitri transformed back into Horse Dimitri to help carry their new traveling companions. With so many dangers on the road, from the Grey Dawn and the nightmarish creatures, the party makes haste to Ban Kuldir. Chapter 6 Distant Howls You all head out from the overturned cart at a fairly brisk pace, galloping along. The dwarven woman on Dimitri's back is sniffling quietly, trying to wipe away her tears without any of you noticing and without any real success. She's clearly in uh, a lot of distress, uh, as it seems her her daughter has quickly fallen asleep uh, now that... uh, her arm has been mended and she's no longer in the pain that she was. It seems like the, uh, the exhausted little girl has, has kind of fallen asleep with the rhythmic movements of Horse Dimitri. Is there any concept of how far we are from Bon Kuldir? Yeah, can we see the mountains? Like, do we see this where the city would be? You can all see Basaldir's backbone rising up and towering over the singing wood. Jacob, make an intelligence check here as you've traveled this road many times before, uh, just to see if you kind of recognize anything or, or can surmise how far you are. Natural 20. Natural 20. With that roll, you know that you are about three days travel on foot from Bon Coulier. Jacob, recalling the extreme distance between us and Bon Coulier, will recommend that as the sun is setting, we should find the safest place to make camp for the night. Have we heard anything similar to the howls that Dimitri heard earlier? You haven't. And you haven't really noticed anything other than the typical wildlife that, okay. you, that you might encounter. And, and even most of that seems to kind of clear away and scatter away as you're making quite a bit of noise as you're traveling down the road. Okay. Has there been any people? There haven't been any people, no. And no evidence of any other attacks? No, not that you can see. Why don't we search for a safe camping site? 
Dimitri should be rejoining us at any moment. The, the female dwarf looks down at you from the top of the horse. Is it safe anywhere here? You said it, that thing was not dead. I'll make sure to take care of y'all. I, with all due respect, you are very large, and your sword could, I'm sure, cut many things in half, but I don't think even you could fight this thing. By the lot of Hicksnos, she'll grant me strength, and she'll watch over us and keep us safe. I wish I had your faith. Horse Dimitri will start to slow down from the full gallop to a trot to eventually a full stop and lower himself down to the ground and give a bit of a wiggle to signify to the dwarves to please get off. Uh, the dwarven mother kind of cradles her, her daughter who's still sleeping in her arms and slides off of your back and uh, as her daughter kind of groggily uh, comes back awake and is rubbing her eyes, uh, she gives you a grateful pat on the mane. And then horse Dimitri will run into the woods. Oh no, our horse ran away. What are we going to do? Does he always do that? What, what is he doing? He is going to scout for Dimitri. Maze, Gavin, will you assist me in setting up camp at the nearest clearing we deem safe? Maze will start to look into the brush just to see if there's an optimal safe place for them to make camp that might be slightly hidden as sure. well. Make a survival check. Two. Well, you have a really hard time finding anything. As you're searching both sides of the road looking for a suitable campsite, you're hacking through thorny bushes, and you don't think there's much place anywhere near here uh, that you'd, you'd want to make that little girl hike through. Brother Jacob, I know we need to stop and rest a little bit, but I just don't feel very safe with the little one here. I'd much prefer if we could find somewhere... Maybe on up the road, somewhere just a little bit safer. Well, perhaps we can venture forward for a ways and continue to search for a an optimal spot. At this point, Dimitri, human Dimitri, will reappear from the woods. Oh, hi, everyone. Yes, uh, the creature is well enough behind us, but we do need a safe place to stay for a little while. We definitely want to be somewhere safe before the sun goes down. I do have an idea of where we could hold up for the evening, but uh, it's going to require a special touch. Dimitri will wink towards the little girl very awkwardly. And she kind of hides further behind uh, her mother. As... No, it's fun. It's fun. I promise. I mean, oh no. Where have you been this whole time? Tracking the beast and staying close behind everybody. And it is not anywhere near here. You're sure? Not 100% sure, but I'm confident enough that if we find a well-guarded spot to hide for the evening, we will be okay. And did you see anything like that while you were in the woods? I saw tracks. I saw leavings. I saw many hints and, and trails. No, did you find a safe place for us to stay? I can make a safe place for us to stay. What, what do you mean? You can make a safe place. I'm with her. What do you mean you can make a safe place? Dimitri pulls the staff off his back. This lets me make a safe place. Well, I suggest that we let him show us rather than tell us that his uh, ability for communication is still in the works. Am I right, Dimitri? Yes. 
Perfect. Why don't we continue down the road until uh, Dimitri deems fit that he can make our safe place? Gavin, thoughts? Yeah, sure. Would you like some help, Dimitri? Oh, no. This is a thing. Well, once... You'll see what I'm talking about. Perfect. We'll all have to, to hold hands and hold on to this in a little while. Let's go. I would like to roll survival as we walk down the road to find a clearing. Sure, yeah, go ahead and make a survival check. See if you can find a good place for you to bed down for the night. 16 in survival. Sure, so you actually lead everyone back just through the way that you came out of the woods. Wending your way around the thorny bushes, you seem to find an easier way through them than Maze did. You show everyone holding some branches back, how they can slip past these thorny branches, and lead them to a small enough clearing in, in these dense woods, deep under the boughs of these trees. At this point, the sun is just about setting below the horizon, although most of it is blocked by the canopy that you're underneath right now. Well, Dimitri, is this uh, an acceptable spot? Is there a spot in the canopy that there's a, a clear line up? Uh, there is, yeah. You can, see a, you can see a small sliver of sky as you, you look straight up at, in this small clearing. So as safe as the ground may be, what if we were able to hide in a tree? Wouldn't that be much better than being on the ground where that thing could find us? I think we could all agree on that, right? I can't climb. I, my little... I promise it will all make sense soon, ma'am. I promise. Well, proceed. She grabs onto your forearm with a surprising strength, and she kind of locks into your eyes, and she says, If you do anything to harm my little one... I will end you. I don't care what kind of magic you have. At this point, all I care about is keeping her safe. You understand me? Crystal clear. Trust me. I'll keep you safe. Dimitri will, with his free arm, take the staff off his back, plant it into the ground. Okay, everyone. Grab onto the top. Jacob will say to Maze, Maze, I believe we should try it. It could be fun. And also motioning to the two new dwarven companions and Gavin, saying, well, let's give it a go, yes? I'm not going to get pulled anywhere I don't want to get pulled to by grabbing onto this like last time, right? Oh, no, I can't do that for another ten days. Well, that's good, I guess. That's specific. All right, well, no time like the present. Gavin will immediately grab the staff. Maze will... As well, cautiously. The dwarven woman lets go of your forearm, and together with her daughter, they both place a hand on the staff. Okay, here we go. As everyone lays their hands on the staff, it begins to grow taller, and branches begin to envelop everybody as it grows taller and taller and taller. The trunk grows and grows and grows and the branches begin to willow up under everyone until they start to cradle everybody up further and further into the sky until we're 60 feet in the air. There's a canopy above us. We're basically in a giant treehouse now. Basaldir's breath. I've never seen anything like that. Maze, you are given a breathtaking view of the sunset as it drops down over the changing colors of the singing wood. Maze is going to fall to his knees and just stare at the sun. He starts to cry a little bit. He's never seen the sun from this vantage point before. 
and it's beautiful. Jacob will say to Maze as he falls to his knees, that is quite a sight, isn't it? I do believe we can trust this Dimitri fellow. Anyone that shows Hyksnos in such a beautiful light must have her good graces. I would agree with you, Brother Jacob. Gavin walks over towards Jacob, kind of leans towards him, whispers, I've heard of a branching path, but this is ridiculous, eh? I would agree. What do you make of this, huh? I've never seen anything like it. And you can see the two dwarves. Both of them are clinging incredibly tightly to the trunk. Uh, It seems as though their limbs are shaking. The mother of the pair glances down, closes her eyes, and takes a deep breath. How did you do that? How are we up this high? I don't like being this far off the ground. I understand fully and completely. This is the safest place to be from something like that. I would never, ever subject you to something like this if I did not think it was for the best to keep your daughter safe. I promise. How I did it? Well, it's a long story, but really, what's most important is that your daughter is safe up here from that thing? I certainly can't climb up here. For all of our sakes, I hope you are right. Jacob will, stepping in, say, Well, I do believe, as it is getting quite dark, that you and your daughter might benefit from a good night's sleep. And Jacob will roll out his bedroll and offer it to them. So you find a place nestled in the crook of three branches that looks very secure and put out your bedroll as kind of a a little nest for the two of them to kind of curl up in. And they both do gratefully. And and she looks up at you and, and through the bruises and the gash on her forehead and her eyes still shining with fresh tears, she says, I fear we would have died. If you did not come along, thank you. Hyksnos be with you. Would you allow me to heal your wound now? If it would not cost you anything, I... It would cost me nothing. And Jacob, pulling out the flute, will cast Cure Wounds, playing a lullaby as well to hopefully assist them falling asleep. And you can see her eyes almost immediately begin to droop. And her daughter's fall almost instantly closed. As she takes one last grateful look at you, you can see the gash on her forehead knitting shut. And the dark purple bruising on her face turn to yellow and then a light green and then completely fade away. And they both fall into a deep slumber. The sun is just sinking below the horizon as Jacob plays this tune, and the first of the two moons is just starting to peak over the horizon. Gavin will motion towards Jacob, indicating for him to come towards where he is, somewhat away from the group. Jacob will approach, taking in this extremely unusual and majestic view of not only the horizon and the sunset, but the stars as well. Well, friend, (laughs) what a day, huh? Yes, we seem to have become involved in something much greater than what we intended, haven't we? Couldn't agree more. You seem to have that maze fella, well, all wrapped up. Yes, you know, there's 
There's something interesting about that boy. Oh, almost as interesting as you talking about the light of Hyksnos, and Hyksnos bless you, and there <laughs> you are, and look at you. Oh, Mr. I found religion, slapping your knees and singing away in the choir. Yes, well, means to an end, but at the same time, in all my years, I've never experienced anything quite so unusual as the past few days. Ah, I agree. <laughs> it's been quite the few. Look, Dimitri was asking a lot of questions about your flute. He seemed very, very concerned about it. He mentioned a lot of things about the wild and something along those lines, and I'm just saying, let's be careful. I do trust him. I don't think he means us harm. But I do know that he has ulterior motives. I believe you are correct. I'm not quite sure why he is on this path that we are, but I do believe we can trust him. As for my flute, as old Dale gave it to me, he can take it over my dead body. Gavin will nod, give a uncomfortable smile, and say, You look tired, friend. I'll take first watch. Much appreciated, my boy. As it gets darker, Maze is going to pull out some candles out of his pack and try to just start positioning them within the branches and lighting them just to just around his bedroll to try to give off some light. The only light we have in here, I'm assuming, is the moon, correct? Actually, make a perception check. 21. You can actually see the faintest glow of starlight coming through the bark of this tree. And it's almost as though the underside of all of the leaves has a little bit of twinkling starlight, too, as they rustle gently in the wind. Some of the candles that he had just lit, he'll blow out, because this is pretty fascinating and illuminates it pretty well, but he'll still keep one lit, like, right next to him near his bedroll. And nestle himself just staring at the underside of these leaves because he's never seen anything like this. As Jacob is retiring for the night, he will begin reading the book that Sister Raina left him, The Knights of Hyksnos. And after seeing so many seemingly miraculous sights in the past several days, and not all from worshippers of Hyksnos, he will really reflect on perhaps not all blessed with the light being of the church. And although he has experienced these things and become fond and accepting of Maze and his beliefs, it is only emboldening his desire to make the church what it could be. Dimitri, after walking around the treetop, checking the branches, making sure they are secure, but he's mostly trying to make sure that the creature isn't in any kind of pursuit. He sure. would like make a perception check. 24. I will say that you hear off in the distance two chorusing, echoing howls overlapping each other. Okay. Is there any way I can, with my previous survivor role, suss out like how quickly this thing can move? Based on the tracks that you saw, the size of the paws, the width of the jaw that you measured, you would assume that this beast has if it's the same one or a similar version of the same one has 
grown quite a bit. It continued at its exponential growth rate. Mm -hmm. You would assume that a creature this large, were it to pursue you particularly, would probably move at a pace that would probably dwarf that of most war horses. I'm trying to glean if it was trying to smell out anything, specifically anything I might smell like. Based on the actions of this creature before, assuming it's the same one, mm-hmm. it seemed as though it moved in more random patterns. Uh, it seemed as though this thing was bent on consuming and creating carnage. Not necessarily hunting you, but you're not entirely sure that it isn't. Looking up at Dimitri and seeing his uncomfortable call, Gavin will walk over to Dimitri and say, Dimitri, why aren't you resting? Oh, it's big. Yeah, I I imagine so. It's getting bigger. Getting bigger? So a thing I wasn't really able to share with you before, Mm -hmm. before we... um, stop talking right um that these things from the wild they grow they consume and they wreak havoc well i feel better about our chances with the gray dawn following us if that thing's behind that's true i didn't think about that a sort of let them fight scenario well i mean the enemy of my enemy right i guess we could that just feels so wrong. What if the Great Dawn kills it? I don't like that. I don't like that. Well, what are you suggesting we do? Well, I would hope that within the next ten day or so that we could go back out there and put it where it belongs. So, Dimitri, I'm going to level with you here. Yes. Your suggestion mm-hmm. is that as we're being pursued... Yes. ...by villainous mercenaries intent on killing us, who have both mine and Jacob's visage, is hang around for ten days. Yes. Come back and take care of the big monster with two heads. That all adds up to me. And you see no issue with that whatsoever. Okay, now that you say it out loud... Yeah. Look, Dimitri, I want this thing gone. And I think you have a noble mission. Do I understand it? No. Do I want to understand it? Maybe. I don't know. But look, if you or I or Jacob or Maze or our two friends over here happen to die in the process, then nothing is going back to the wild. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. I want it gone. I understand. And trust me, this little girl would still have a father if it was gone. Yeah. But at the same time... We're not going to be able to do that if we're dead. And the last thing he said really strikes at you. You stare at this small child sleeping, and you really start to wrestle with your mandate, but then also with the guilt you feel for maybe not destroying this creature when you had the chance. Look, friend, if there's one look that I know, it's guilt. I get it. You think it's easy for me, knowing the fact that this right here is probably the reason why we're being chased by those bloodthirsty villains? It's not easy. But you keep going forward, and you press on. Press on, Dimitri. You can't do anything if you're dead. That's true. That's true. You can't do anything. And he will walk towards 
quietly, not trying to wake them up, the two dwarves, and kind of squat over them and look at them. <laughs> I'll say make a stealth check with advantage. Twelve. Fortunately, that is above both of their passive perceptions. <laughs> so as you crouch on the branches, inches from the dwarf's face, Gavin kind of looks at you strangely, but doesn't say anything as he doesn't want to wake the two. Dimitri will widen his eyes and look at them in a way that he hasn't looked at a, another humanoid creature in a long, long time and really take them in. He's trying to think of his own family. He's trying to remember what that was like. Gavin will sneak over, noticing that if they were to wake up, this would be weird. Go ahead and make us all check with advantage. 17. You creep up behind Dimitri and lay a hand on his shoulder, almost making him jolt for a second as he seems fixated on the two dwarves sleeping soundly, whispering softly into Dimitri's ear. Time to go, friend. Dimitri nods, slowly backs away with Gavin, following his steps, mirroring his stealthiness so as not to wake them. And then when they're far enough away, I don't think I've really emphasized how much I don't understand. Dimitri, you didn't have to. Okay. I got it. Why don't you go rest for a bit? I'm sure you're tired. You've been a lot of things today. And I mean that more than metaphorically. More. I'm sure you can. Oh, wait till you see. I can't wait till we get in some water. Let me tell you, I'm going to show you something really, really fun. <sighs> can't wait <laughs> Gavin will laugh softly to himself and kind of wave Dimitri off to go rest while he takes watch still Dimitri will walk towards Jacob and sit down next to Jacob hi uh, Jacob seeing Dimitri approach while he's reading his book nonchalantly closes it and puts it up with the rest of his belongings saying oh hello Dimitri hey I'm just checking in on you I just want to make sure you're doing okay Oh, yes. I, uh, I simply must pace myself at times. You see, when I was quite young, uh, perhaps as young as that child there, I had my lung collapsed by an arrow. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yes, it wasn't, was not the most pleasant experience. I could imagine not. Goodness me. I'm glad you're still with us. Dimitri, I must ask you. Uh-huh. Could I go to the wild? Oh, <laughs> better not tell your friend Maze over there. Yes, Maze would not approve, I'm certain. He could tell you all about it. Maze could? Well, I mean, he went there with me. Yes, I don't believe he's an expert yet, however. <laughs> yeah, he's not. Well, I would like to find the origins of this flute. Oh, my Goodness gracious me. It's like you're reading my mind. I too would like to know where that flute came from. Yes, it was given to me by a dear mentor named Old Dale. Gavin knew him as well. And Old Dale had told me a very far-fetched legend of where this flute came from. He explained that it was from the wood of a moving, talking, thinking tree. Oh. 
Yes, it sounded quite absurd to me, but now that I see you here, growing trees from nothing, I'm quite curious. Do you know something about it? The first time I saw it, I thought I got a good look at it, but nothing really struck me about it. But it does feel familiar, so that should tell you something there. But other than that, not too much. Tell me about this old Dale. Old Dale was the finest storyteller and heaviest drinker I've ever met in my life. (laughs) But, Dimitri, I'm quite curious as to what brings you this way. I am aware that you are on an adventure to seal these monsters. However, you seem to be on quite a similar path as we are. Well, Jacob, as you seem to be a a, a, a wizened soul, as we'll think of it, I guess you, I guess you can handle this. Th- let's just say these creatures don't just come from nowhere and they're not randomly put here. Could you expound on that? There is a lot going on in this world. A lot more than your 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 little politics and your gray dawn and your dead husband dwarves over there. There's so much more to this world. And there are forces in this world that want to hurt everyone. And I just want to protect everyone. Jacob sensing increasing passion and anxiety from Dimitri will pull out the flute, just kind of examining it, and say, Dimitri, I'm going to tell you something about my past that I've not told anyone since old Dale, and you must not repeat it. Do you understand? I understand. Do you understand, Dimitri? Oh, I understand. When I was a child, the arrow that pierced my lung was from an ambush set up by one of the hounds of Hyksnos. I was a squire, and all of my peers were slain to frame the Grey Dawn by a hound of Hyksnos and his followers. That's terrible. Yes, and ever since, I have, until quite recently, lost my faith. Understandable. That brutality. You were just children. Indeed. But needless to say, I am quite open to your beliefs and your cause, and I hope that you can be candid with me as well. Jacob, I think so. I think so. Like I said, these creatures aren't put here on accident. They're not leaking out of the wild in any sort of random sort of way. There is a force in this world that wants to see it undone. And what is that force? Honestly, I'm not sure I quite grasp it myself. But it is using the wild against this wretched world to try to destroy it. And while I don't quite see eye to eye with how this realm or world or whatever this is, is run... I don't want to see innocent people hurt. You all are nice. And despite my many times running in with folk that uh, don't exactly see eye to eye with me and would prefer to see my head on a spike, 
Just because I don't think the way they do, Dimitri motions towards Maze. I don't want to see any of them hurt from this. And as Jacob hears Dimitri's clear disdain for this world, he is going to be observing for any sign of not just disdain, but hostility or intention to harm any of us. Make an insight check. 15. As you stare at Dimitri, watching his body language, as strange as it has become, spending so much time away from civilization, he seems to telegraph his intentions very clearly. You can tell that he feels a hatred for society, a distrust and almost a disgust for the way that the world runs and the way that the world is. And he seems truly upset by your story and by all of the implications of it. But he doesn't seem to have or harbor any malice towards you or anyone you've seen so far. Dimitri, as we travel and I see you healing innocent people, growing magnificent trees out of nothing. I suspect that while your magic, your spells might not be from the light of Hyksnos, perhaps they are not evil or malicious either. Oh, absolutely not. I think the people are misguided or or ill-informed. And all these other fonts of magic they're just places for people in this world to draw power from there's nothing good or bad about them it's all about how people use them all i could really tell you and i don't i hate burdening others with my problems and the problems and the responsibilities that have been given to me all i want to tell you jacob is to watch yourself with that flute and if you hear of anyone, anyone, named Sovacine, you run, you run and you tell me, you find me, you find me immediately. Does that, does that name ring a bell? Does that sound familiar to you? No, I don't know that I've ever heard it. Then pray that you never hear it again. If I'm doing my job right, if I'm protecting this world like I mean to, you will never worry about that again. I will put my faith in you then. Dimitri will take some breaths. Sorry about that, friend. Think nothing of it. I just wish I could help you with that flute. Uh, do you, did old Dale have a real name? Or was his first name old and his last name Dale? To be honest, I never asked. Ah, fair enough. And Jacob, still gazing at the stars, will take out the remainder of the sunflower seeds that Maze had given him and offer them to Dimitri. So you shell these? Well, to each their own. Oh, okay. Dimitri will flick one up, catch it in his mouth, and swallow one seed at a time. (laughs) Whole. (laughs) Jacob, amused at this, as always, will mimic it. So you both spend a few moments catching seeds in your mouths... Jacob, you trying to hold back your laughter as you watch Dimitri 
a little over-enthusiastic, miss about half the shells that he tosses up towards his mouth. You must relax. You're, you're too tense. You'll never catch them all that way. Oh, I can't relax. I've got a lot going on. <laughs> Preaching to the proverbial choir. <laughs> well, I must retire for the night. Yes, of course. I'm sorry to keep you up so late. I'm sorry. And Jacob will uh, retire to his... Um, makeshift bedroll that he has made perhaps out of some of his uh, cloak or uh, perhaps his backpack as a pillow. Sure. So you roll up some of your spare clothing and uh, some of the the costumes that you still have uh, left over from the troop and make a comfortable enough bed and drift off to sleep. Dimitri, you also find yourself slowly drifting off to sleep, but you have terrible dreams when you do of vines snaking up the tree and wrapping themselves around your friends and you jolt awake about every half an hour just to check on them but they all seem fine and after several hours it seems as though Gavin who's been on watch perched out far on a branch scanning around eventually stands and stretches and wakes Maze to take the second watch. Hey, big fella. Wakey, wakey. Mm. Your turn. Thank you, brother. Of course. Do you feel a little better? Oh, yeah. Um, back doesn't hurt nearly as much from hauling Jacob around all day, but feel rested. And as someone who carries him emotionally, I, I understand your burden. <laughs> I bet you do, Gavin. Maze will see the, like, perch that Gavin just had and slowly creep out a little bit and just try to look around, see if he sees anything. Remember your way a little bit more than me, eh, fella? I'll do my best, Gavin. All right, I'm going to go get some sleep. I uh, clearly need it. May Hicksnos bless your dreams. Yeah, thanks. With that, Gavin will go unroll a bedroll, find a place to nestle up, and immediately go to sleep. Sure. So you find a comfortable crook between a couple branches... Uh, comfortable enough, given the circumstances. And you two eventually drift off to sleep. Amaze, I'll have you make a perception check. Six. The wind howls and sways the branches this high up. As the dusty, rust-colored orb of Basaldir rises up over the horizon and the two moons adding to the illumination of this tree which seems to be producing starlight all on its own, you can actually see fairly well and you stare down into the forest, into darkness, imagining all the things that dwell down there, thinking for a second that maybe you saw something sniffing at the base of the tree, but no, maybe that was just a shifting cloud, and the rest of your watch passes. I'll go um, back in and wake up Jacob. Brother Jacob, it's your watch, my friend. Oh, already. I saw you reading a, a book earlier before you got some rest. Uh, well, what was that? Oh, it's a, a keepsake from a very old friend of mine. Sleep well, Maze. And Jacob will proceed to the lookout point about halfway between where Maze stayed and where Gavin went. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, perch up 
to keep lookout. Sure, make a perception check. Nine. So you hear, and maybe it's just the wind playing tricks on you, but you swear you can hear howling, howling closer. But no, no, that was just the wind making the branches of this mighty tree creak beneath you. It must have been. It had to have been. And as the sun rises and your watch ends and the rest of your companions come to consciousness, we'll end the adventure there for now. This is your host, Daniel Storm. Thanks for listening to the RPG Radio Show. If you like the show, please share it with a friend or on social media. Nothing helps spread the word about our show like a personal endorsement from you. For the latest news and updates, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RPG Radio Show. For exclusive digital content, music, maps, and much more, consider supporting us on Patreon. All your support goes to improving our show, and even the smallest amount makes a difference. We're currently striving to meet a support goal that would enable us to release weekly episodes. To find out how you can help, visit patreon.com slash RPG Radio Show. Thanks again for listening, and be on the lookout for Chapter 7, available Monday next week.